and, and I tell this to people and it's the honest to God truth from my heart. I created Falling Outfitters and I continue to do what we're doing with Falling Outfitters to be a vehicle to, to give back right. and to do what we did this last weekend and to expand on that and, and to create more opportunities for those people that are so deserving right. to, to, to reconnect with other veterans and first responders but to, to have some tranquility in their life because it's not always has not always been tranquil right. for them in their experiences. Absolutely. And we see the effects that, that that has on them to get them out to the outdoors and to do these different things. And we're going to continue to do that with, with our business. Uh, and then the other thing that we do also is that we, we're really proud we just started roasting our own coffee. So not only okay. do we have Falling Authors, but we have Falling Coffee Company. Um, but every bag we sell, we have on the side of that bag, the Wisconsin uh, Hero Outdoors logo, we give a dollar back okay. to that nonprofit organization with every sale. And you know it's not a lot of money, but it's hopefully a little bit enough where it can provide a fly rod to somebody or whatever the case may be. Um, so we're we're all about giving back. And again, we, we don't pound our chest. You know, I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity just to kind of guess put that out there. But you'll you know when people walk in here, I mean, I mean look at me, I got a beard and long hair, I and mean, you would never, <laughs> you would never. At least I, that's the plan. At least I, is I would, would never know. know. I know because. <laughs> But you're not the only one who wants free from regs, like takes full advantage of it immediately as quickly as you can. I would have known anyway, but yes, most don't. This is the Right Idea Podcast. Welcome to season three of the Right Idea Podcast. I'm Kevin Nicholson, volunteer president and CEO of No Better Friend Corp. In this season, we're highlighting the creativity and the work ethic behind the businesses that make Wisconsin's economy go round. Today, we're interviewing Craig Cook, of Fall Line Outfitters. Not only is it an outfitting shop and a soon-to-be in-house coffee shop, but it's an all-around fly fishing destination spot that first opened in 2018 and is located in the downtown square of Stevens Point. In today's episode with Craig, we'll dive into how his love and passion for the outdoors motivates him each day and how his military career helped to shape his entrepreneurial outlook. And we'll even learn which two United States presidents used to travel to Wisconsin just to fly fish in our great state. If you enjoy Wisconsin's outdoor beauty and want to support a veteran-owned business, you'll want to check out Fall Line Outfitters. It's Wisconsin's very own fly fishing destination spot. This is the Right Idea Podcast. So we're here in Stevens Point. We're here with Craig Cook at Fall Line Outfitters, uh, right on the square, the beautiful square in Stevens Point, which I... Never, never fully realized what a great shape it's in. Uh, thanks for having us. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks for coming up here. I appreciate that. And then checking out the shop and, and getting to see, like you said, the downtown of beautiful Stevens Point. Yeah, and in a cool building, too, which we talked a bit about in the tour. You just landed here, right? You just came here, we said, eight days ago? Yeah, so we just opened the doors about eight days ago. We we purchased this building in, uh, on April first. Okay. And we had very we were very ambitious to get this basically completely renovated and turned around for us to be able to open at the beginning of June. Uh, we were very fortunate that we had some great people, um, along with family, that were willing to pitch in and get this uh, space completely done, uh, literally in a seven week process uh, to get the doors open. So I like it. Well, I if I'm your target market in, in one way shape or form it works because i like the exposed brick i like the product line although i know nothing about fishing i like the way it looks and i love the music you had playing you had some like my kids would laugh because and you've also got the right mood lighting that i like so like i could just hang out here if i lived in stevens point yeah i you know what that's that's great to hear that because that's exactly what we're trying to create you know right. we uh, 
as we've evolved as a business, as I'm sure we'll get into, uh, we we went from being uh, you know your typical store, your niche business store, but then what we've created here and what we're trying to create going forward is you know a destination spot, right? A place where people are like, hey, we need to go to Stevens Point because we want to check out this store. We've heard you know good things about it, and and the atmosphere atmosphere is correct too. You know, I always right. say in business that. You know, number one is the customer, the products you sell, but ultimately, you need to be able to connect that, have that connection with the customer and the store that they're that they're in. And I, right. and I really tried hard to create that. No, it really matters. I mean, it, creating a space people want to be in, like, it matters. It makes people, especially in the day and age when a lot of people can go online and click and say, "I want this," and "I want that." You have that extra dimension here that says, "Well, this is always, it's a place I want to go." <laughs> it's like it's yeah. a fun trip and. Uh, you can bring kids along and there's a splash, well, there's a fountain, like an old school fountain, working as a splash pad out there, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really cool spot. Well, so you, let's, I want to come back to a bit of creating the destination because I know you've got a coffee shop, I'm going to use a pun, brewing here, working on it and, and opening it. But talk to me about the inception of the business and what brought you to this point. So you've served our country, uh, you've retired, and now you've moved in, you've become an entrepreneur. Talk a bit about that journey and what led you to found this place. So when I was getting ready to retire uh, in 2019, I retired in August of 2019, I tried to be relatively proactive within that last two-year process. And we always talk about that, uh, that, that transition from military to civilian life. And right. What are you going to do? Um, you know, a lot of guys will go to school in their military time and they'll fall back on their degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was kind of schooled out, you know, like all the different mm-hmm. military schools that I had been to for leadership training and everything. I, After I kinda, a full career, it's a lot. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> 22 years of all the schooling and everything, which was fantastic training. Right. But I kind of looked at like, what are going to be some of my opportunities when I retire from the military? And I was very blessed to, to have uh, a couple different tours and, and to come back, uh, you know, you know, pretty much able to do a lot of, a lot of different things. Right. Um, and you know, being an entrepreneur and owning my own business, it just sounded like that was the perfect fit for me. Uh, I retired as a first sergeant, and I, you know, not that I couldn't work for somebody when I got out, but sure. I just thought it would be a you know a great opportunity to do something for myself for a change. Um, so actually, when Fall Line was created back in 2018, mm-hmm. we started doing T-shirts for military units. Okay. So we would do like the Coyote Brown undershirts for like the Army and the Marine Corps. Right. Um, and a lot of the different units for camaraderie purposes, they wanted to have like their, their unit logo or insignia put on their shirt. Right. Well, a lot of the um, play, screen, screen printing places and stuff that were, they really had no idea like, okay, is this going to fit, you know, Army regulation, yep. AR-600, yep. you know, whatever, or the Marine Corps regulations as far as the, the, the exact color that you need. Well, I, right. I kind of had that inside scoop a little bit yeah, in the military. Did. Especially being a first sergeant, because it was literally your job to call out everyone that was out of regs. Yeah, so. absolutely. absolutely. I was that guy at times. I tried to be pretty cool. If you had former soldiers are listening to this, I tried being pretty cool, but sometimes I had to do what I had to do. Right. Um, but yeah, so we got into that, and I, and I worked with the company, and we started uh, we started taking orders, and we were making these T-shirts, and it got to the point where not only were we were making T-shirts for like local Army National Guard and Air Guard units, but then it started to spread where somebody heard over in Afghanistan that I was doing this. So we were sending T-shirts to Afghanistan. We were sending T-shirts. Then I started doing like sweatpants and different apparel items for for units over in Iraq as well. So that kind of really started to pick up steam as we were as we were as I was transitioning out. But I always had a love for the outdoors. The okay. outdoors, you know, my dad, you know, taught us when he grew up, you know, about deer hunting, the fishing, the whole nine yards. We did some fly fishing when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I, my love was really kind of there. Right. And the t-shirt thing was great. And, you know, somebody would, somebody had told me one time, you know, you should have capitalized and just continued to do that. Mm-hmm. But, but my love wasn't there. 
Right. And I just really wanted to be passionate about what I was selling. So we we slowly transitioned out of the t-shirt sales. Okay. Um, we ended up buying a brick and, or excuse me, we ended up leasing a brick and mortar downtown uh, in Stevens Point because we okay. wanted to have that old school store again. And as we kind of transitioned out of the t-shirts, we started getting more outfitting stuff, contacting different companies. Uh, I always, uh, I've, I've told this story before, but I, I remember contacting uh, one of the major fly fishing companies out there and I talked to the rep and I said who I was and, and I said, I'm looking to open a fly fishing store. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, well, no one's ever done that in Stevens Point. And I said, that's exactly why I want to do it because right. no one's done it before. And I love a challenge. And he says, well, you're going to need, you're going to need over a hundred thousand dollars worth of capital to start this business. And, uh, I don't know if it was like me being too proud or I, I, I you know, I've always been a pretty humble individual, but mm-hmm. I said, I, I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> uh, and I, I think, I, I think he was a little shocked, but, uh, he was pretty right for the most part <laughs> at this point, I should say, okay. uh, you know, okay. four years later. Sure. Um, but no, I worked extremely hard. We brought in a couple uh, small little outfits, some of the uh, off-brand brands that were willing to give some of the small retails uh, opportunity to, to provide their their stuff in, into the store. Okay. And it just really kind of started taking off at that point. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I, one of the as we're having these conversations with different businesses, totally different industries, so I think we're going from restaurants to manufacturing, and then here we are as a, at a fly fishing outfitter. It is that like germ of, a, of an idea, right? Like that's how it all starts. And it's so much of what we're trying to share here with people is that it is literally an idea behind which you put a ton of work and all of a sudden there's, you know, the creation of value. And that's wealth and that's, you know, that's real. And then in your case, it's interesting here, like you're literally going from a t-shirt production shop into fly fishing outfitting. You've got that ability to kind of test the market, see what's working, see what you like and transition, which is a, an awesome story. So... Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and it's all about, you know, I come, it comes back to love for me and the passion. You know, mm-hmm. I, I learned in the military a long time ago, like, you know, in, in, in your experiences too, you know, you run across people in your military career where, you know, some are very positive about their experiences yep. and everybody see, and I always tell people, people see their, their military experience in different, different ways because it's through right. their eyes. Right. Um, my experience may be the exact same as yours, but you saw it differently than I did. Right. Um, I tried to always be take maybe bad situations in the military and turn it and spin it into a positive situation. Yep. And I thought as I moved up in the rank structure, I was always going to be a better leader if I could put a positive spin. Now I'm a realist. I'm a mm-hmm. common sense kind of guy. <laughs> you know, I was always very honest with my soldiers, never sugarcoated anything. Right. But that transitioned, you know, when I, when I, when I started the business, what I would say is that everything that I learned in the military, a lot of the things, the schooling, the, the experiences, it really got me to this point of taking that leap of faith of we can do this. Right. Very mission orientated. You know, we're going to, you know, we're going to take the hill quote unquote type of, you know, type of uh, attitude I had where this right. is a mission. We're going to, we're going to make this successful. There's going to be a lot of bumps around, you know, going through this, but we're going to make it through. Right. And that really is where that transition from kind of like, honestly, having a relatively small, successful t-shirt business serving the military, mm-hmm. which was a love of mine. Right. And then transitioning out of that and going into the outfitting because that was really where my passion, my love was. Um, I think those are the things that kind of bridged that gap and, and made that transition maybe a little bit easier. Right. Because of my military background opposed to somebody else that didn't serve. Mm-hmm. And that's not taken away because we have of awesome course. entrepreneurs that haven't served either. But for me, at least for Craig, that was how that helped that transition transfer. No, I think it's a great, it's a great way to capture what um, many employers are trying to figure out, which is why are many veterans successful? And, and to your point, of course, people who aren't veterans are very successful at what they do too. 
But I think there's a, a, a great, you've encapsulated it really well, which is that um, there's no need for like false motivation. You don't have to pretend everything's great. I think I always try to lead my Marines the same way, which is be like, hey, certain aspects of this really suck. Mm-hmm. But we will do it, and it will it will go just fine, and we'll find the way through because we're all very good at what we do. And I think that really resonated always with you know you take whatever branch of service I ever worked with, which was all of them, mm-hmm. always that resonated more so than just command and bark and shout orders at people. It was here's the problem, that the problem is the mission. We we know how to solve it, mm-hmm. and we will be entrepreneurial as we get it done. And I think that 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 resonates with soldiers and Marines and airmen and, and sailors as well. But then you take those skill sets and you drop them into a business and it's very critical, right? To be honest and plain about the challenge you're seeing, but yet understand like, yeah, today might suck and I'm gonna have to work through a lot of stuff to get to tomorrow, but it can be done and it will be. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I what you just said is absolutely the truth. And, and that's where we have that common bond, you and I, of serving in the military and having that understanding. And again, we take nothing away from those that have. Absolutely. Um, but that problem solving, you know, we're problem solving. I am prob- problem solving daily. Yep. You know, um, people will be like, well, you're just a small small business or a mom and pa, you know, like how much problem solving is there? And I, and I, I think it goes without saying with all the challenges that we've, that we've had within the last year and as we continue to go forward, as even though things are getting better, you're constantly problem solving because you always right. want to make the process better. You want to make the products. You want to make uh, the experience for the for the customers that come into your store a much better experience. Right. Even if they visited your store five, ten times before, you want that eleventh, that twelfth, and thirteenth experience to be different every time they come in here and a better experience. Right. So you're constantly problem solving to figure out how you can do that. Um, and um, I think the other thing that comes you know comes into play with a lot of the other different challenges is that. A lot of industries are seeing shortages all over, mm-hmm. whether you sell cars or you own a dealership or you have an outfitter like I do or whatever right. that case may be. Right. So solving those challenges, there's a need and a want from the consumer. Mm-hmm. How do you figure out to resource that, that equipment or that material? Right. And there's that problem solving coming into it daily. Absolutely. And then keeping your customers like literally on the hook. Again, bad pun, but, but yeah, so but they don't true. walk away, right? And say, yeah, okay, I'll just put this off another year and I won't worry about it. That actually, that leads to the next question I was going to ask. So, uh, I will full well admit, my I fish. I don't fish often. I don't usually have time to sleep, so I don't always have time to fish. That's my life, which fortunately is not most people's life. Um, but my fishing, admittedly, exists of like bobber, a worm, throw it and go. There's a certain, there's got to be. You tell me if I'm wrong. A certain amount of intimidation around fly fishing because if you watch the movies, if you've seen people do it, there's a skill to this thing. There's a lot of as we're here, right? There's gear that comes with it. You gotta, if it's not handed down to you from family, I think that your store is solving that problem. Because again, getting that idea of like going on Amazon, sure, you can order this stuff. Doesn't mean you know how to do it unless you've got a place you can come to. Talk about kind of that in your market and working through that kind of intimidation factor. Yeah. Um, or am I wrong? No, you're 100% right. 100% okay. right. You know, and I think, I think that the, you know, I used the word the bridge the gap earlier, but that's really that where that I 100% agree. If you grew up on it, like a lot of things in life, if you right. grew up on it, if you if you drove a certain make of a vehicle, mm-hmm. more likely when you become older, you're going to probably buy that certain make of vehicle. It's kind of the right. same thing. Right. Fly fishing has been around for a very long time, and I think I always say this to people, but things in life are very cyclic. Mm-hmm. You know, fly fishing was really a big thing, uh, 1800s all the way, uh, you know, up through the early 1900s, and mm-hmm. then as products evolved different materials were created 
lot of that was military driven because of the different wars. They had to come up with different, use different materials for, for better things. Right. Things evolved where people then kind of got away from the old bamboo rods that our great grandfathers used to fish with, and then they evolved to the spin fishing and different types of fishing, the bobber and worm fishing, yep. which is yep. still still outstanding to this it day. Works. It's still, yeah, <laughs> it it's works. Yeah, it's very effective. Very effective. <laughs> but what we're seeing is that when I say cyclic, is now we're starting to see this really big interest of, hey, what did my great grandfather do back in the day? Yeah. What What is this all about? And I think there's that perception with fly fishing sometimes where it's kind of more of a highfalutin type of sport. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I, you know, understandably so, but I think that I've, we've seen that kind of come back around where people are understanding it's a lot more affordable to get into it. So right. there's that aspect right. of it. The gear and everything, a lot of it's perception. Sure. Perception. When you see a lot of the bigger brands out there, when you watch TV commercials, instead of, they, instead of them showing uh, somebody throwing a bobber and a worm, mm-hmm. Now you see people standing out in a nice stream. In the stream and throwing it back and forth. Yep, yep. throwing it. <laughs> so we have people that, that will draw them to the sport as well right. because of the image part of it, which you got to look good when you go out in the stream, yeah. of course. <laughs> you got to look like Brad Pitt in a River Runs yeah. tonight, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, which I do not. So that's, I do not at all, but um, but that's neither here nor there, I guess. Right, um, right. But, um, but no, so, so that's kind of how like, you know, fly fishing has evolved. And we've had, even before the pandemic, um, we had a lot of people that were interested in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always say as, as a niche business, when you sell certain items, you got to be really knowledgeable on it. You have to be really good at it. But you have to be passionate about it. More yeah. than anything, you got to be passionate about it. And I think that's what we brought. And then because, again, there was only, you know, eight of the fly fishing shops in all of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. people were coming to us from pretty good distances to check out what we had to offer. Right. Even if they had an interest in it or they were involved in that sport, and that's just kind of how the, how this really just kind of took off right. from that moment. Right. Um, but it's an art form. It really is an art form. But right. what I would say is it's not as difficult as it's perceived. And we find that when people try it and get into it, it's very soothing. Mm-hmm. And for somebody like myself, I think you and I, it sounds like we're very similar where I don't sleep a whole lot. I'm constantly yeah. thinking about <laughs> what's the next move. What can I do? Right, right. But for that, you're, with fly fishing, it's not – you're not – throwing the worm and the bobber out there and waiting for something to happen. You're making something happen with fly fishing. Right. No, I, yeah, I agree. And yes, the, the sport has an art to it and it's very clear and it comes across in all the imagery around it. I think that's a big part of the attraction. I want to come back to the effect on, um, or the effect that COVID's had on, on the market. Um, before we do that though, I had a question. You may or may not know this. Was it Calvin Coolidge that used to come to Wisconsin and he was a fly fisher, Mike? Fisherman, yep. am I correct? Yeah, so okay. you had Calvin Coolidge, who was really big into fly fishing. He used to come to Wisconsin. I know Dwight Eisenhower used to fly okay. in as the president. He would fly into the Northwoods uh, into some secret locations, apparently, and they would do some fly fishing for a day or two up there and then fly back to D.C. I've, I've read stories about that. Okay. Um, another really cool uh, known fact or unknown fact, I should say, about Stevens Point is that we had uh, fly fishing, uh, a fly tying company, uh, was started here in Stevens Point by a lady of, by the name of Carrie Frost back in okay. the late 1800s, hmm. which was just huge, you know, really big if you think about it. Uh, w- women fly fishermen back in those days, you know, of course they just didn't have the same rights as men. Sure. She started her own company, huh. and then it took off where now you have uh, Weber Tackle, then you had Worth Company, so you had three major companies in Stevens Point back in the 30s and 40s, and Stevens Point was known as the fly tying capital of the world. Really? They used to produce the most flies, and they sold them worldwide. Huh. 
And then at the end of World War II, we signed a treaty with Japan, and then a lot of our trades and stuff went back over to Southeast Asia, and okay. that's kind of how it dissolved. Okay. Uh, and I didn't know any of this. When I opened the flight, I'm originally yeah. from the southeastern part of the state. Right. Military retirement brought me to the central part. Opened this fly shop, and all these people came out of the woodwork from Stevens Point, and they're like, did you know this? Did you know that? <clears throat> and, I, and then after that, we're, we're, uh, uh, hopefully I'm not going too far. No, this is great. Um, then we had, uh, and we had the University of Stevens Point uh, here in Stevens Point, of course, one of the biggest natural resource colleges. They did a documentary on this history of fly fishing. Mm-hmm. So we had a, they did a production, they interviewed me, they interviewed some of the original owners of these companies. Uh, PBS has come here now uh, within the last year and done a beautiful documentary uh, cartoon on Carrie Frost. Okay. And they also did another really neat documentary on Stevens Point itself, but they included this big lineage of fly fishing. So it's just been really neat. Wow. It's not because of what I've created, but I like to believe that maybe I've just brought that back out in the community a little bit. Absolutely. No, that's fascinating. I mean, so part of that is, I mean, economic clusters are interesting, right? Like they, they form because of common sense, right? So part of it is you can fly fish here, which is why you have mm-hmm. Coolidge and Eisenhower coming out. And then, you know, no doubt that kicks off some amount of notoriety. So people get into the industry and start creating businesses around it. And to your point, then you see the... Um, the destruction of businesses based on trade, which is a whole nother thing we could spend four hours talking right, about. Right. Many more than four hours, actually. Um, but yet, still, you restarting a business here in the same space because, again, like the environment's right for it and people can fly fish here. So it makes a lot of sense that you'd be in the space and, mm-hmm. and be in this market. So, yeah. common sense, go figure. Maybe we should allow markets to figure some of this stuff out and not just like dictate what the way it should should work well i agree with you and i I honestly like that's that's honestly how craig leads that's how i lead i lead with common sense i try to use common sense as the practicality side of things um you know yeah i mean absolutely you know and you know of course we did our research i mean like of course any good entrepreneur before you start anything with any type of investment you wanted to go you know do yourself this service and i try to i have people that will come in here um and i try to really hard if they're a veteran especially and if they're not Mm -hmm. a veteran we're we're always more than i'm always more willing to share everything about how i started the business Mm -hmm. but the first thing i always tell them is like did you research the market that you're about to go into based off of what you're going to do yeah right yes you may have a passion for that business and you may love it and and you may believe it's the greatest thing right but there may be not be there may not be a need for that in that market right and you may feel feel miserably not because it's not a good idea and you don't have a good product, because it doesn't the the, the need is not there for it to right. sustain it, and right. that's what I always tell everybody. And, and so so we did that. I mean, we we talked to the DNR. I had the DNR uh, graciously. The DNR printed off a whole bunch of reports for like five years prior to we then we opened as far as like how many trout stamps were sold in Portage and the surrounding counties. Okay, you know how many fishing licenses. What's the trout per capita? Because they'll they'll go around. The DNR will go around along with the university. They'll shock trout to get numbers yep so we poured in a lot of you know we poured into a lot of research to figure out you know is this going to be a sustainable sustainable thing for us to get into the cool thing is is that we didn't know the lineage that was a bonus right that was definitely a bonus i mean we're very proud we're proud to carry that lineage on but we truly we we created this thing from inception where we didn't know the lineage but based off of our research and again the passion right it's uh and the awesome customers that we have, it's just all kind of come together. Come together. Yeah. That's awesome. So in terms of, um, well, let me ask the, the COVID question. Then I want to come back to like, again, the localities, like where, where people are going to go around here, or frankly, around Wisconsin to sure. fly fish. But when it comes to COVID, so obviously we've seen, you know, incredibly disparate impact on different industries. It's, it's uh, the policies that have accompanied COVID have crushed certain in- industries. They have forced 
economic activity into others. What have you seen to be, I can take my guess, but what have you seen the effect to be on uh, fly fishing on your business? So, you know, it's, it's really, a, you know, it's, it sounds bad to take a, tr um, a tragedy and, and spin off in a positive mm -hmm. manner with it because but we need some of that. So that's, yeah, <laughs> we need yeah, some yeah. positive so I, income. <laughs> so I, yeah, with that, with that being said, what I would say is that, you know, we had a, such a re, uh, insurgence of folks that there's no better way to social distance. There was no better way for them to, to quite frank, frankly, reconnect with their families Right to get out back to the outdoors. I mean, we live in one of the best states to rec uh, outside recreate. Right, people, people, you know, weren't, weren't weren't traveling every weekend to tournament baseball games, the hockey, all these different things that families have just grown accustomed Stocked to. Stocked into their weekends. Absolutely, right. it right. sucks. Their, you know, right. and they're good things. I'm, you know, sure. But all these plans that we once had for many years had come to a screeching halt. Right, where it was like, okay, what are we going to do today? Um. Let's go camping. Mm -hmm. Let's go fishing. Let's go out and hike. Let's do all these different things. And what we saw, which was just really cool, was we saw families coming together again. Mm -hmm. And we seen pe we saw people that maybe had were so busy with their lives that they used to fly fish or they used to regular fly fish or hunt, where now they had the time they could get back to something that they absolutely used to love, but they never right. had time for. Right. So for our business, minus the shutdown that we were forced to do, right. we, we did really well. It really enhanced... Uh, it really grew our business, and I always we had a lot of customers that would would uh, get a hold of us when we were shut down or when we were able to reopen again and come in. and They'd said, "Are you worried that there's this what we call the COVID bubble, right? Yeah. For our industry, yep, where things are great, and as soon as things get back to normal, people are going to go back to their tournaments on the weekends. Mm -hmm. People are going to get back to their busy schedules, overtime, you know, so on and so forth." And I said for myself, I said, "Absolutely not." I said, "The greatest thing that came out of this for us." was the exposure that we received as a business. Right. Personally, a person, you know, for our business. Right. Um, but there's something to be said about having a business that brings families back together. Yeah. Brings things, brings things for people back to a thing that they used to love and reconnect. And then what we're hoping for, and I think we're seeing that sustain for right now, and granted, we're not out of the woods. Sure. But we're seeing that sustain where people are sticking with this. They're realizing, you know what? Life is short. We need to reconnect. Right. We need to... Family needs to be the number one priority, not, you know, you know whatever else took priority took or precedence priority, right. before. Right. Um, so it's it's helped us. Um, now the caveat to that is when we were forced to shut down, mm -hmm. there was a lot of questions we had. Okay, wait a minute. You know, we're a small business. Why are we being told to shut down when essentially in our little store before, we can only fit five to nine people in there at one time. Right. We can definitely social distance in there. Right. Um, yes, we're not providing what was considered, uh, a, a, you know, a man or a, a business that provided us something that was essential. Essential. Business. Thank you. Yes, I couldn't think of the word. Yes, very we're, Orwellian term. But absolutely, yes. <laughs> we're we're a recreational type of business. Right. We're not an essential business. But now that people are reconnecting to the outdoors, they need to get this stuff to go be able to do that. Right. So, are we not essential for the for the mind? Are we not? You know. So there was a lot of questions that I had um, when, when it came down to that, um, where you know the box stores are allowed to operate, where thousands are allowed to go in there during the day, but I can't have nine to maybe 20 total people come into my little fly shop. Right. How um, long did that last? Did so it was a little over a month uh, for okay. us that it transpired. Um, and I think more than anything, like when it first came down... There hasn't. There's been times in my military career where you have a little bit of hopelessness. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care who you are, but that just sure. If you've been in particular peculiar situations, there's a little bit of hopelessness, and I hadn't had that feeling until that happened. 
And it was more of like, I worked so hard to get this business to this point. And now are people, you know, people, and understandably so, they're staying home, they're doing what they're told to do, they're trying to do the right thing. Is this thing going to shut off like a water faucet mm-hmm. and we're going to be forced to like not, you know, are we done with this? Right. Because we, st- the big companies of the stuff that we were bringing into our store, they're not, now some of them did, God, God bless them. Some of them were saying, hey, we're going to push off what you owe us for another month. We appreciate, we appreciated that. But there was right. a lot of the bigger companies where they were like, hey, your, your, your terms are due. We need you to pay your bills. And there was a, there were some scary times for a little bit there where that, where that okay. transpired. What I would say is that we worked really, really hard to have a very nice website. And hopefully I'm not going on too long with no, this. No, no, this is great. But we, we, we built a really nice website and we, we said, okay, we need to, this is part of that military. We need to yep. transition. We need to figure out how do we take the hill. We can't go up yep. the front of the hill. We need to go around. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go around, right? So we, we worked really hard and we built and we put about 95% of everything that we had on our inventory on our website. Okay, and you can ship direct from here. And you can okay. ship direct, correct. So we were able to ship direct. We offered free shipping, okay. which is hard for a small business to do I that because you're kind of eating some of that profit. But right. but we wanted to be enticing for customers to still get what they wanted to. And we wanted to, small give back it, as it may be, it was still kind of a small give back to not charge them shipping to get it sure. out to them. And then we did a lot of curbside. Okay. I mean, we had awesome, awesome customers, not only here in Stevens Point, but in the surrounding communities that wanted to support us. Um and we were able to do orders and literally uh, when my shift would end or we would put the clothes sign on the door, I would get in my pickup truck with a box full of things mm-hmm. and I would drive out to the country and I would hand deliver these items to these folks or I would leave them on their porch and then they would come and get them. That's awesome. Kind of like old school times. Yeah, you know, I was like say, would, yeah. it's like, it's like the, the milkman coming with yes. milk. <laughs> yes, so, so we adapt yeah. and overcome. <laughs> adapt and overcome is what we did right. and we worked, extre- I mean, long hours, we worked extremely hard. Um, and I'm a big I'm a big believer that there's no bad stress. All stress can be turned into good stress, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we did. That's outstanding. well, the circumstances that create it are, are terrible, but an outstanding response, and it kept you moving, and that's mm-hmm. great. And I, you know, just a couple of things reacting to what you said. So first, uh, I think if the, if there's any, if I had to make an educated guess, I'd say part of you know the issue is again getting over that barrier to entry, and so those that picked this up over the last year and are fly fishing now. Um, I, I wouldn't expect them to walk away from it. To your point, I think that they're finding out the benefits of doing it, and they already got over the hump, right, of saying, "Okay, how do I do this? Right. Okay, this is how I do it." Now you can enjoy it, you know, much more easily going forward. Yeah, absolutely, so I think that's great. And then I, you know, not putting words in your mouth; these are my words. You know, I hope, I really hope that a lot of policymakers and politician types learned something from this experience in the sense of like designating what is a quote-unquote essential and non-essential business in the economic havoc that reek was seriously damaging not just in our state but the country and also too i mean take away just the pure finances and the economics and the, the destruction that was created the psychological effect too and you're talking about people cooped up in homes and i, I you know i work with people all across the world and i've seen this like i've seen it from london to new york to milwaukee to, to here we are stevens point right like every corner of the planet depriving people of the opportunity to sensibly and intelligently interact in a way that made sense for them mm-hmm. and given their various health issues that they had to solve for and also to to recreate and we can see now as people are starting to interact there's there's there is a long-term psychological effect to what's happened and again my hope is that politicians have learned something and realize you can't do whack-a-mole here you can't just right. say you can't do that 
things pop up over here that you can't even anticipate. And we're going to be dealing with that, I think, for a while. Right. Economically, culturally, and socially. Right. So. Well, you know, and the hard thing too, and you know, I try to, to not get steer too too politically, just just because obviously with being business owner, sure. we we try to do what we you know we just try to operate and be good 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 people in the community and help help our customers. But what I guess I would say is, you know, some of the talk that customers would would say is, is comments to me when we were shut down was, you know, well, of course they're they're not going to shut down the box stores because look at the tax base that they provide to some of these smaller municipalities and stuff. You know, if they tell, and I won't say a box store, but if they were to tell a larger box store, we're going to shut you down. And that box store says, okay, well, that's fine. You can shut us down, but now we're going to pull up. It's no problem for us to shut the store down and go somewhere else. The tax base of so the tax dollars that that money provided for that municipality is so large. We're a little small mom and pop store like me. If I decide mm-hmm. I was, you know what, I'm just going to shut down and move right. my business. I don't think there would be too much discussion on, on behalf of that. So I guess that's, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, that was no. some of the discussion parts that we had as small business owners when we would talk amongst ourselves. Right. But collectively, you small business owners are the backbone of America's economy. It's not just a nice thing to say. It's true. You can look at the numbers. And again, in particularly in terms of, of uh, entities and or companies that are creating wealth in communities that tend to stay in the community and get reinvested in different ways. Yeah, there's no doubt that, um, again, the short-sightedness of, of, again, I think a lot of politicians and policymakers not understanding this, what the effects could be, and again, making very bizarre and arbitrary decisions and Again, my words, not yours. A lot of it involving theater and meant to say, you know, so-and-so is doing something to make the world look better, mm-hmm. uh, but not necessarily solving the, the health crisis, plus having detrimental economic effects, plus, again, the so- social and just psychological effects that, that took a toll on people. It's bad. Um, but we're very happy that you were able to come through it and, and get through that spot. And then, and then, frankly, too, be there with a product that people... Uh, Again, we're able to, to either rediscover or discover that allowed them, to, to your point, to be with families right. and to enjoy what, you know, everybody should have been encouraged to enjoy the whole way, which is Wisconsin's outdoor beauty. Right. Um, there's no point where that was sensible to shut down our, our tourism the right. way that that occurred. So. Well, and I think the one thing, if I could just add real quick, too, is, that, you know, it's the one, the one thing that I would say and we don't we don't we don't say this and i'm just take i think this tells the story so this is not a plug for for me or whatever the case may be but because we had such an immense awesome support from customers during that time mm-hmm. it allowed us to still bring home a profit and what we decided to do as a small business was we tried to give back to some of the other small businesses that i know for a fact in this area that were hurting okay. whether it was we went and we purchased products from them that we don't we didn't need as our business but we wanted to show our support and we knew that Quite frankly, some of them were having a hard time paying for their rent for the month. Yeah. So we we, we had such and again I, I, I gotta really um, you know say, you know say that that the, the support that Falling Outfitters had in Stevens Point was so great that we then took some of that money and we reinvested it back in some of our uh, small businesses in our community mm-hmm. because how we we understand how important it is for those other businesses to survive and to do well because it, you know we want people it's an ecosystem to, it, it absolutely yeah. is it absolutely is. And right. we want people to come to Stevens Point because we have great shopping here. We have great things for them to, 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 to check out. If Falling Outfitters is the only business that survives and the, all these other small businesses do not, and some right. of them didn't, right. Falling's not going to be successful. Right. For not, for not for now, not for the future. And, and, and again, you know, I hate to keep saying the military thing, but that was just one thing that really instilled in me. Is, it's like that first sergeant mentality, yep. right? You take care of you take care of the battery, you take care of the of, of the company, right? And they, they take care of you. 
and and I've always tried to lead with that value, and I think that was it was no different with my business. And right. and you know, people would say like, you know, why are you doing this, or you know, are you are you sure you can do this? And I said, don't worry about it. Yes, we can. We can help you. And 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 and, and to see the looks on some of those people, and to um, the sincerity in their voices, mm-hmm. that's all I needed. That's that's right. all I needed. I, I didn't want anything back in return because it was it was a pay it forward. The community supported me, right? And they support these other businesses. But then I was able to support some of my fellow business owners too to help them get through a tough time. It was outstanding, you know. And, and again, like I said, some of them didn't make it. Right. Some of them were, there was just not enough help out there to, to get them over that hump to, to to make it there. Right. Now, on a positive spin, real quick, what I will say, and I will give props if I can to the city of Stevens Point. Mm-hmm. The city of Stevens Point did come up with a grant program. Okay. To help some of the small businesses, uh, it wasn't a large, you know, it wasn't a ton of money, but it was a, it was it was a show of gesture at least to try to help. Mm-hmm get some of that money out to some of these small businesses, if anything, to get them through a month of paying some of their utilities or their, mm-hmm. or their, or their, their lease spots to keep that business open. So I do have to say, you know, on a positive note, that the, the local government here did try to do something during that time. To make frame. an effort. Yeah, and again, it's, it's again, my words, not yours, but I, I do hope that policy, and I'm not talking about Stephen's point so much specifically, but to realize that, like, this whole ecosystem, not just Stevens Point, blow it out, Wisconsin, blow it out, the United States yeah. of America. You cannot arbitrarily drop uh, edicts that uh, shut down sectors of it without long-term negative ramifications. Right. And everything in life, and you and I have experienced this from the private sector to our time in the military, is a risk-reward decision. And people have to make rational decisions. We believe individuals in America are empowered to do, they are empowered to do that. Um, and some will, will, because of their own personal health situation, be a bit more risk averse than others, and that's totally okay. But in the way that governments handle this, they created a system by which governments like Stevens Point had to do that in mm-hmm. order to just hope that they could get all their small businesses through. What we really want is people out there doing what you're doing, which is creating wealth, creating value through actually providing a service and a product that people want. And so again, you hope that lessons were learned. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know that they were as we watched this, but mm-hmm. um, certainly that's part of our goal here as we share these stories is like, hey, right. this is what businesses did to adapt. Here's what we need to do better going forward and be more sensible right. about. And, and that's why I think your story is so important. Yeah. Let me, I, I know um, uh, the uh, you mentioned earlier on our tour, there's different vets groups, it sounds like, that you work with too. Talk a bit about that and your involvement there. Yeah, so we've partnered up, and there's there's not just the one that we partnered up with, but there's there's multiple throughout the state of Wisconsin that are just doing outstanding things for, uh, you know, not only veterans but first responders, which is uh, you know healthcare workers. You know, okay. it, you know, we've, it seems like rightfully so that's kind of expanded out a little bit with everything going on uh, to make them known they're appreciated for what they have done, uh, what they have done, and what they're doing. I should mm-hmm. say, um, but us in particular, we have teamed up with Wisconsin Hero Outdoors, which is a nonprofit organization. Uh, that is headquartered out of the southeastern part of the state. However, um, they have kind of like uh, dropped some pins throughout the state of Wisconsin to provide uh, service uh, for all the part of Wisconsin. Um, so we, uh, actually this last weekend, we, we hosted four veterans, uh, okay. came up here, Wisconsin Hero Outdoors and us, teamed up with them. We made it virtually uh, free for those veterans to come here to enjoy the weekend uh, you know, uh, on the stream. Awesome. Uh, we, we provided our, our guides from Fall Line. Um, Wisconsin Hero Outdoors provided uh, some fly, fly rods they got through us. Uh, the gear we got donated from some of the bigger companies. Um, so they were here to come here, um, not have to worry about it from a financial standpoint. It's about enjoying yourself, mm-hmm. um, having camaraderie, 
um, with fellow veterans from all different branches, I should say. They weren't all just one branch. And um, uh, we had, you know, we had dinner, we had some camaraderie. Then the guys took them out on the stream all day on Saturday. Um, some of them had fly fishing experience. Some of them had zero fly fishing okay. experience. But the great thing is they came back and they all had a great time. And that was the most important thing. And one thing that we've learned, and, and there's there's different organizations out there that are specifically fly fishing. This one is not. They do all sorts of things. Okay. But with the fly fishing in particular, you know, there's I always say there's nothing like getting on a stream and hearing the water run, mm-hmm. you know, throwing that fly and, and that tranquility, especially then now going out there and sharing that experience with fellow veterans that have some of the same experiences uh, that you have. Right. Um, it's fun. It was fun to be a part of, and we're going to continue to do that going forward. But the, the probably the most memorable part of the whole experience was we had dinner on Friday when everybody kind of got together. And I think mm-hmm. it's no different from our experiences when mm-hmm. you get to a first, you know, when you get to your unit at first or you take over as a commander, right. whatever leadership position, you're kind of feeling your way out. And it was fun because I hadn't been around that in a few years mm-hmm. myself being retired that when we got together, it was kind of like, hey, how are you? Right. Very small talk. You know, what did you do? That kind of like, what did right. you do in the military? And then when we, after they had their experience in their fly fishing event, Saturday night when we reconvened and had dinner together, it was like they had known each other for years. Right. Right. And I think that's one thing that as veterans and again, the first responder field, you, you have that camaraderie that it doesn't right. take long to reconnect. And it felt very fulfilling that we were, we were able to do that. And, and, and I'd mentioned to you before we, we kind of got on the podcast that, you know, people think I'm crazy. Like, you know, people think, think when you own a business, like, oh, you have all this money. And I can tell you right now, <laughs> there's expenses involved. There's expenses involved in that. Yeah, exactly there absolutely, right. absolutely there is. There is. Right. And, and, and I tell us to people, and it's the honest to God truth from my heart, I created Falling Outfitters and I continue to do what we're doing with Falling Outfitters to be a vehicle to, to give back right. and to do what we did this last weekend and to expand on that and, and to create more opportunities for those people that are so deserving right. to, to, to reconnect with other veterans and first responders, but to, to have some tranquility in their life because it has not always been tranquil right. for them and their experiences. Absolutely. And we see the effects that, that that has on them to get them out to the outdoors and to do these different things. And we're going to continue to do that with with our business. Uh, and then the other thing that we do also is that we, we're really proud we just started roasting our own coffee. So not only okay. do we have Falling Authors, but we have Falling Coffee Company. Um, but every bag we sell, we have on the side of that bag the Wisconsin uh, Hero Outdoors logo. We give a dollar back okay. to that nonprofit organization with every sale. And, you know, it's not a lot of money, but it's hopefully a little bit enough where it could provide a fly rod to somebody or whatever the case may be. Um, so we're we're all about giving back. And, again, we, we don't pound our chest. You know, I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity just to kind of, I guess, put that out there. But you'll, you know, when people walk in here, I mean, I mean look at me. I got a beard and long hair. I mean, you would never, <laughs> you would never, at least I, that's the plan at least. Is I, I would, would never know. know. I know because... <laughs> Like, you're not the only one who wants free from regs. Like, takes full advantage of it immediately, as quickly as you can. I would have known anyway. But yes, most don't. Uh, so the coffee, I want to ask about that. Uh, so you've got it queued up where it sounds like before Thanksgiving this year, um, 2021, that you'll open up an in-house coffee retail. But you're already roasting your own. Talk about that. Yeah, so we've teamed up um, with One Nation Coffee out of South Carolina. The uh, the owners of here's a unique thing that we do as veterans mm-hmm. as well in first responder community is that we partner up with other like minded individuals that came from that same community. Okay. Um, so not only do we carry our Black Rifle Coffee here, and a lot of people know Black Rifle Coffee, and we're proud to to have them here. Uh, we also team up with Bison Union, which is uh, another Army Ranger veteran owned company out of uh, Sheridan, Wyoming. Okay. 
But one nation in particular, um, he is currently still serving. He's an active duty uh, senior chief, um, EOD tech um, out of South Carolina, and his partner, Phil, he is a full-time police officer. Okay. So these guys are still doing this yeah. full-time, <laughs> and they created this coffee company. Awesome. Um, and we partnered up with them. So right now, um, because we're still kind of in the inception part of our coffee, they are... Uh, they're getting the fresh beans. They're they're roasting the beans and they're sending them to us in small batches for right now for our roasts. Okay. Um, so we have our first roast out right now, Wisconsin Gold. Uh, our second roast is to launch here in August. Okay. Uh, very Wisconsin theme type coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, but then our plan is that we were gonna have a full service coffee shop inside our Falling Outfitters uh, store that we're sitting in right now, and, okay. and we're hoping to have that launched uh, by Thanksgiving. We're People can come in here and get the full raiment of coffee. Uh, again, all veteran-owned coffees. That's kind of our niche with mm -hmm. what we're doing. Um, and then be able to sit in here and hopefully enjoy the atmosphere and then check out some of the, the flies and whatever else we have. That's awesome. And it gets back to the idea of the creation of destination, a place that's got a just an ethos and a mood about it that you want to be here, plus you can have a coffee and you can browse. and, and Yeah, that's Absolutely. awesome. That's great. So if I show up and I've never fly fished, but I just watched the movie A River Runs Through It, and I want to be like Brad Pitt, uh, minus the other problems. <laughs> so I come to you, and I say, um, "What do I do? What like is that a, a does that happen in your business? And like, what do you do then to take them through the process and get them?" Point in the right direction. Well, you wouldn't be the first person that came in here and asked if you could look like Brad Pitt first <laughs> and then get the fly fishing stuff. So that's yeah. a very common thing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I'm not really good at other than telling somebody to grow a beard and long Yeah, right, hair, which you got that trying. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's still not working for me, though. Right. Um, but no, we have that a lot. You know, that's really the cool and exciting thing for me is that, and I don't and I don't know about the other fly shops. I'm assuming that this is very, uh, very common across the board, but I can speak on, obviously, on ours. We have so many people that are interested in getting into the sport, mm -hmm. um, and I always tell people like I'm, I'm probably not a very good shop owner because I'm not the guy who's going to walk you over to like the most expensive rods and say, mm -hmm. oh, you need this. Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to be really good at this? Do you want to look like a river yeah. runs through it? You need this rod. Right. I mean, don't worry, it's only three hundred fifty dollars. You know, <laughs> I am so not like that. I'm, I'm the guy who's like, you know, I didn't grow up with a, you know, I, I grew up middle class, but I never had a lot of money to go out and just buy stuff. So I always try to to approach it that way. Sure where we walk somebody over and a lot of the companies make a really good um, it's basically a fly rod in a box it's called okay. an outfit okay so it's the whole fly rod everything you need only thing you don't have is a fly that you can pick out of our, our bins that we have and okay. most of the flies are anywhere from $1.15 to $9 depending on how big of a fish you're going to try to catch gotcha but you can get this kit and they're generally right around $100 or $100.5 which is very reasonable for the whole thing right and you can go out and fish and have a great time. And if you like it, then at that point, like anything that people get into, you can always upgrade at that point. Right. You work your way up. We, you yeah, work you work the way up. But but we are just that kind of that sensible, common sense mm -hmm. thing where we're not going to lead you to the most expensive. Let's get you into this sport for a very reasonable price. We try to remove that highfalutin thing we talked about earlier because this sport is not a highfalutin sport. This is for everybody. Right. You know, all the way from one to ninety-nine. I say anybody can do it. Maybe maybe one in ninety-nine might be a little challenging. But we've had people in here in their nineties that have are still throwing flies, which is outstanding. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's that's probably the exciting part for me. It's just seeing somebody's excitement to get into the sport. Mm -hmm. I try to push that excitement off onto them, and when they walk out of here, not only do they feel like they were really taken care of, right? But they know they got something quality, and if that quality product fails. We're, we've got them back. We've got their back after that sale is done, done with, and we and we do that. We we right. we we literally like a lot of companies. We have built 
falling outfitters on taking care of the customer. That is always going to be number one, irregardless. Well, I think it really jumps off the page too. And again, the goal is not to criticize other businesses, but models have shifted, scales have changed, and that kind of like tailored approach is not as common anymore. And so when you do encounter it, it's great. And especially when it's in a space that people may not be familiar with, like mm -hmm. it means a lot to be able to say, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I saw this, I would like to do it, how do I do it? And it sounds like you're able to take them, point them in the right direction. Do you, and getting back to the idea of like where to go next, so they leave your store, do you help to like point people in the right direction of like here's the streams you need to hit? I know trout is one of the targets for, for fly fishing, what other fish are they looking for, and where do you send them? Yeah, so absolutely, trout is kind of like the quintessential uh, species of fish that is associated with fly fishing, because mm -hmm. you have like Trout Unlimited, you have a lot of great organizations out there that are doing stream restorations, but people kind of pair those two things up. Okay. But what we have here in Stevens, I'm just speaking of central Wisconsin in particular. Sure. Well, first off, I would say the state of Wisconsin has just phenomenal trout fishing. Mm -hmm. uh, the driftless... Throughout? I was going to say where. Okay. Throughout. Okay. Throughout, absolutely. So the driftless, there's an area uh, in southwestern Wisconsin, pretty much from like La Crosse down, and it goes all the way, extends all the way down into the Iowa, but it's called the driftless region. Okay. And it's very uh, uh, fresh, uh, spring-fed... Um, uh, streams. Okay. You have more rolling hills than that because uh, of the a lot of rolling hills. A lot of rolling hills beautiful. over that area is absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. That has been rated at the top in the top five fly fishing destinations in the world. Okay. The drift in Wisconsin. Hmm. So we're two hours from there. So we're not right. in the driftless area, but we're two hours from there. And then you have the north. And I'll just kind of skip over Central for a second. But then you have the Northwoods, which is awesome, sustainable for smallmouth fishing, largemouth, musky fishing. Okay. Musky fishing is huge. Um, and then the really cool thing for us is that like central Wisconsin is kind of like that little hidden gem that's starting to kind of leak out a little bit now that we have some really good fly fishing here in the area. Gotcha. So we've got awesome trout fishing. We've got smallmouth, bass, uh, warm water, and then the musky fishing. In fact, the world record musky was caught uh, on a fly. So for like fly fishing was caught in Plover, which is the town adjoined to Stevens Point. Okay. So it's not far from here at all. Really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when those when those customers leave with that brand new uh, fly rod in their hand, you know, one thing the Stevens Point Visitors Bureau does is they give out a really cool interactive fishing map that has all the waterways and sustainable fishing areas in the area that tell you what species attached to that body of water. Right. So we'll circle some spots. We'll tell them a couple of our some semi-secret spots to go to to get right, some fish. Right. Um, but we have some great... Class A trout streams just outside of Stevens Point. That's within a 15, 20-minute ride from here. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, and then that's the, you know, we talk about, like, customer service. The one thing I would say about a lot of the fly shops that I've been in, and especially here in the state of Wisconsin with that Midwestern hospitality, mm -hmm. you literally are stepping back in time when you come into a fly shop. Mm -hmm. It's about telling stories. It's about helping people out. It's about helping people be successful. Right. Um, Normally, in, on Saturdays, we have a big pot of coffee going. We give away free coffee. People literally bring in their own mugs. Right. We have some seating area. People sit around. We tell stories. We talk about the weather. <laughs> it's It really is. It's really that quintessential how old stores used to be where you knew people. People come in. You know them by their name. Right. Hey, Craig. How you doing? How's the family? It, it really is. Um, and, and now that we're kind of getting back to better times, we're, we're, we're kind of getting back to that again, which is just... It's just great. That's outstanding. And soon there'll be an actual coffee shop. You won't. You'll yeah. have coffee on quite literally. Yeah, like, and ready to go <laughs> for everybody. Literally, and we'll still do. We'll, and I have to say, we'll, yes, of course, we'll have our coffee that we'll charge for, yeah. but we'll always have free coffee. But all that, that may be a hindrance to your business model, <laughs> but I'm may, not going to get involved. Yeah, it may. But we got to get that a little bit. So. <laughs> 
It's got to be like a first cup, like two pots only. If you're yeah, there first, right. you get it, and then after that, you that's a great. It, yeah, that's great. Yep, you're right. <laughs> the um, and so well, okay. So just admitting my ignorance about fly fishing, so I didn't. I always thought trout. What I did not realize is that you can basically go after a number of different species with fly fishing. And one question I had too, which maybe all of our listeners know and I don't. So specifically in streams or do you fly fish in in lakes like again in, in non-running water yeah so it's all over so okay. so when we talk about trout trout have to live in cooler temperatures mm-hmm. so we call so the difference between like a trout and a bass so trout would be what we call a cold water fish mm-hmm. so they need to live in water temp- uh, they, they thrive i should say in water temperatures generally anywhere between like 65 degrees and below is always the more crestine and prime uh, waterways for trout to survive and to, and to thrive and do really well. Okay. So those are going to be your stream. Mm-hmm. Now you do have trout that are going to be in lake. Normally they're called lake trout, um, okay. or we have steelhead trout mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be like in Lake Michigan. But when we talk about like bass, um, we talk about muskies primarily. Mm-hmm. Not always because you still have that here in the Wisconsin River that runs through the, through the majority right. of the state. Very sustainable smallmouth and muskie fishing in, in the Wisconsin River. Okay. But yeah, I mean lake fishing for bluegills panfish that's huge on the fly okay because the fly rods are going to be very small for that species of fish and they're just a blast to catch okay so the pan fishing the muskie the bass um with all the sustainable lakes and fisheries that we have it makes wisconsin seriously just an awesome state to be able to do this sport in along with all the other types of fishing as well of course yeah and admittedly like i I just simply didn't realize that because i always picture it exclusively in a in a stream thinking of trout and I, again, maybe all of our listeners would know this, and I'd be the one guy who didn't, but I don't think I would have thought that you'd go after bluegill or musk, from bluegill to musky, and many things in between in both running water and streams and also to in lakes. That's yeah. it's a whole other dimension to your market that, again, I, I would guess I'm not the only one who doesn't know that. So it's probably good. No, to right. Yep. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, no. That's awesome. Well, as you think to... Um, as you look at to kind of the future of your business, you look at the future of kind of your industry, your industry, yeah, it can mean fly fishing, but it can also mean um, uh, outdoors entertainment, I think, too. It's right. It's got multiple categories to it. What makes you hopeful as you think about kind of next steps and where things are headed? Well, I'm an optimist. I, I always look for um, – I, I always try to have a positive attitude and I always try to look for opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um you know, even under, under, under tougher circumstances, I try mm-hmm. to pull the positivity out of it. And I think – being passionate is what leads me. Common sense, of course, like we discussed earlier, but that passion of and the excitement is infectious not only to myself, but the people that work here, the people that we have come through the doors. Um, I think the space that we are, that we currently have right now with buying this building has so many more possibilities for this business to grow, mm-hmm. to provide not only the fly fishing. We, we always, t- always tell people that, yes, we are a traditional fly fishing shop, but we're a hybrid. We're a 50% fly fishing store, but the the part that's really exciting for me is that we are starting to get more into the outfitting side of it where we bring in really good uh, quality known brand mm-hmm. clothing, jackets, uh, footwear, socks, you know, uh, winter stuff. We're going to dabble a little bit into the ice fishing because now that's really starting to take off okay. in the state, the yep. ice fishing part of it. Right. Um, you know, bringing on the coffee shop is another dynamic to bring that destination around. Um, eventually, someday, you know, we want to expand uh, with our second story here in this old building so to, to provide more products for that. Now, the really cool thing that we had not touched on yet um, is that part of the basement here is finished off. Okay. So we are going to provide um, 
five and six week long classes starting in the winter. Of course, when gun deer season's over. Yeah, we <laughs> don't want to be yeah. careful. You might. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to get a whole <laughs> lot of people wanting to get into the fly tying and the fly uh, fly fishing stuff uh, during that. And I understand. Sure. Um, know your market. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we're going to hold those classes uh, to get people from the, in the community to come out of their houses that that cabin fever, come down here for that five or six week long course, one night a week, where we teach them how to tie flies to go out and fish with the mm-hmm. basics of fly fishing. We're actually teaming up with a couple different uh, local partners, nonprofit local partners here in Stevens Point. Okay. We're going to do like a hunting program, but then we're also going to um, use their commercial kitchens, how to prepare your, your wild game as well. Oh, that's great. So, you know, again, you know, we, it really is a community thing. It, this, again, businesses and businesses like mine do not thrive without the support of a strong community and community involvement. And we try to provide something back in return to get them involved. And I think that's, you know, as times get better, yep. Um, we're not out of the woods yet, and we don't look at it like that. We're sure. going to continue to operate as we need to always strive to do better and and in, in, in to evolve. Right. But we want to continue to push forward and and expand on things to provide a, a better experience for that destination and for the community. Yeah, and that's great. And I, I will say too, for our listeners' benefit, as we walked around the tour, yes, the outfitting piece of, you've got actually quite a bit of, of outfitting gear here, from waders to shirts to the whole nine yards of everything you would need mm-hmm. to actually get going. The the point you brought up on the classes too, I think that's great, right? Because like the whole like uh, there's kind of like myth making around the tying of flies, right? Like that's like a thing, and it's an art craft, and it's a big deal. I would think that'd be a great thing to do in a cold winter day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have classes on that. Uh, what about casting? Like how, again, it looks like those people really know what they're doing as they take it back and forth. How, how hard is that to learn? Are you able to give instructions on that in the space you have or, or does that have to be done outdoors? Yeah, so we right, currently right now with the weather being nice, we have a certified casting instructor that works uh, with Fall Line. Okay. Well, they'll actually take uh, clients out to the local park close by the shop where there's plenty of room to do that casting with gotcha. your traditional fly rod. Um, and then, but... The really cool thing is that we have this really cool old building with high, high 12-foot mm-hmm. ceilings mm-hmm. where um, a lot of the companies now, they make uh, a practice casting rod. So it's got the same, it's about half the size of a regular fly rod. So your standard fly rod is about nine feet long. Okay. This is cut in half, so you're looking at about four and a half feet. Uh, it's got a rope on the end of it instead of a regular fly line, but mm-hmm. it simulates as you're casting a fly fishing line. Got it. And as you're able to do it, we have definitely the height in this building where we can have people in the winter time standing in the middle of our shop, false casting this rod to get their casting down, and then when they're able to transition to get back in outdoors with their you know with their with their equipment, that transition will be really easy. So, hmm. it um it takes a little bit. It's uh it's a timing thing right. uh, with fly fishing opposed to where you have your regular bait caster, your bobber and worm, uh, bobber and worm, where you right. just kind of throw it out there just and let it sit. Just get it there and it'll do its thing. It's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's more of a timing thing, but um, I right. always I always tell people, you know, like if you can walk and talk at the same time you can you can find a, a way you can find a way absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah i think that's uh that's a good point to make if generations of people have figured this out we can figure it out too you just again i think it's a big part of what i love about your business is that it again it allows people to walk in not knowing up from down and fly fishing but then figure it out and right the edu- the educational piece of it where you have to go uh but also to then of course having all the gear here that you're going to ultimately need to be able to do it mm-hmm. so that's great critical well as you think about it how, well let me ask you this um, how often are you able to get out there and actually fish yourself 
Well, I get asked that question probably mm-hmm. on a, you know, every day. I get asked, you know, hey, when's the last time you went fishing? And, right. And it's a good problem, and a, but a bad thing, right? The good problem is, is that we have had such growth, and we've been very blessed to have the support that we've had where we've expanded and, and built out this new shop that we have. Yep. So it has not allowed for a lot of free time for me to go out. In fact, I have not actually gone out at all this year um, <laughs> yet, and I don't know when that is going to happen. Um, I live vicariously through a lot of my customers yeah, and, right. and the shop yes, people that I have working. They tell you about their success. They do. They do, and I'm very happy for them. Um, but um, So I don't get out as often as I'd like to be in the shop owner. Um, but you know we're working towards that day where, we, and we do right now. We have just really quality people that work for us that are fly fishing ladies and men. We have women that work for us as well, which is great. Um, that, that that I don't really need to train. I mean, like they come in here and it's just a passion for them, like it is for me. Right. Um, and uh, so I kind of like again, I kind of live through them a little bit. Um, but um, hopefully, as we continue to build. Uh, our tribe here at Fall Line, mm-hmm. and we have uh, and continue to grow that. We'll I'll be able to have a little more free time to at least you know throw to get a away fly. yourself and yeah. enjoy what yeah your products just a little <laughs> right. bit at least so, right. That's awesome. Well, Craig, we're thrilled that we had the opportunity to come out here to Stevens Point. I recommend everybody come up uh, this direction right on the square in Stevens Point. And again, the square is really cool, in great in great shape. Number of different shops and businesses right on it. And like I said, on a nice, beautiful day like today, there's actually a fountain going, so you can leave your kids out there to splash around. You can come in and enjoy a combination of fishing and coffee and, and see the sights. Yeah, absolutely. I can't thank you enough for coming up here. It's uh, really really great to get to know you. Appreciate what you're doing. Um, it's, really, it's really a big deal for you to sit down with small business owners throughout the state and tell our stories. Um, and you know, I, I think people are, are really listening to what you're what you're saying. So I appreciate I appreciate that, and I appreciate you. And thank you for your service as well. Well, th- thank you, and thank you for yours. And we won't even do like the inter service rivalry thing. We'll just appreciate <laughs> each other's service. It. I try not touching it. Yeah, we'll do that <laughs> when we record. shut off the recording. And <laughs> right. So I appreciate. It. No, Craig, we appreciate it. We're glad we could come here, and we will be back. And I recommend all of our listeners come on over. So thank thanks, you. and thank you. We're leaving Stevens Point, and we are headed to Rice Lake. We'll be seeing a showing of Desert One with Kevin Hermaning, and on to the, another great veteran up there doing good stuff. So thanks again for having us. We'll be back. Appreciate it. I'm Kevin Nicholson. Thanks for joining us today on the Right Idea Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Right Idea Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Ricochet, Stitcher, Luminary, or wherever you listen to podcasts.